It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The return of Kevin Falcon. Life has never been more expensive than it is today under this two-term NDP government. I know you're going to be helping us each step of the way by bringing forward constructive suggestions about improving government. The premier and new leader of the official opposition spar in a spirited question period over the future of B.C. Farmers way behind schedule. We need to grow this food for the people that are in our local community here. The delayed crop driving up costs in the grocery aisle. And boosted across the border. If you feel that that is what you want to do and you have the means to do it, there is certainly medical evidence to support that decision. British Columbians impatient with the slow pace of shots here get theirs in the U.S. instead. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC Liberal leader Kevin Falcon wasted no time hammering John Horgan and the NDP government for high gas prices in Metro Vancouver and laying out what the BC Liberals would do differently. After a 10-year absence, Falcon seemed energized to be back in the chamber and Horgan had to take a lot of criticism over BC's lack of affordability across all sectors. Richard Zussman reports. The Falcon has landed. BC Liberal leader Kevin Falcon sworn in Monday as the new MLA for Vancouver Colchena and immediately on the attack. At a time when British Columbians are struggling with the highest housing prices in North America and the highest fuel prices in North America, $2.34 a litre, that the government and the Premier think that this is the time to introduce a billion dollar vanity museum project. His first day on the job as an MLA in nearly a decade and his first promise. Falcon vowing to scrap the $800 million Royal BC Museum project if elected Premier in 2024, just a few days after Premier Horgan announced the project. Nowhere in the budget can I find any capital dollars. Nowhere have I seen a business plan. Sorry to interrupt you here, I know you're busy. Falcon's arrival comes as those in Metro Vancouver are now paying more at the pumps than ever before. Gas prices the highest in North America, insisting taxpayers would much rather see help at the pumps than a new museum. And asking as such in his first question period face-to-face against Premier John Horgan. Will the Premier cancel this ridiculous vanity museum project and use those dollars to help British Columbians get access to a family physician and be able to afford to fill up their cars? If I had known 10 years ago that the finance minister of the day couldn't tell the difference between a capital budget and an operating budget, I would have been more aggressive on my question. 
With Falcon getting a lot of first day attention, the BC Greens hoping to break into the conversation on gas prices instead of offering a tax break, hoping the government would instead consider providing transit for free for the next four months. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Wow, it's just like old times in that house. <laughs> Keith Baldry joins us now to talk more about uh, Kevin Falcon's mountain to climb. He made some interesting comments about the Massey Tunnel project today. Mm-hmm. Keith, what challenges lie ahead for Kevin Falcon? Yes, interesting again, Kevin Falcon today announcing he doesn't want to just cancel this new museum project. He wants to cancel the Massey Tunnel replacement project and go back to the bridge idea, sort of reflecting where that BC Liberals have been for a number of years. Here's Kevin Falcon again in the news conference. You know, it's hard for me to stop stupid when they're doing it all over the place. But I have to tell you, it is a terrible mistake to allow them to even think that they could build an eight-lane tunnel to replace the existing tunnel. They'll never get it done. So one of the challenges Kevin Falcon faces taking that position is all the local mayors support the tunnel. They don't want the bridge, so he's going to have to work on that. But there's other areas he's going to have to work on with his party, which really took a de- had a devastating defeat in 2020. Here are some of the challenges he faces, and he agrees with me on these. First of all, the party's going to need to find more diverse candidates, particularly when it comes to gender and ethnicity. They have to reconnect with uh, suburban and urban voters that they lost in 2017 and 2020. And as an example of that, they have to reclaim eight traditional ridings they've held for years that lost in Richmond, North Van, Tri-Cities, Burnaby, and Langley. And finally, they've got to fight the potential growth of the B.C. Conservative Party. The Conservatives won 7% of the vote in the Vancouver Colchena by-election, which he won. Not a factor in that riding, but a 7% showing by a Conservative candidate in any number of those ridings I just listed could effectively give those ridings remaining in the hands of the NDP. So he's got a lot of challenges on a number of fronts. He had a good first day, though. All right, we'll see what the days ahead bring. Thanks, Keith. There is some evidence that British Columbians aren't waiting for local health experts to okay their latest booster shots. They're taking it upon themselves to get it done in the U.S. As Catherine Urquhart reports, Washington State has a different approach, and some people are jumping the border to get it done down there. The lineup stretched down several streets in Point Roberts, Washington, as people queued up to get vaccinated against COVID-19 at the local fire hall Sunday afternoon. Many were getting their second booster shot, including approximately 30 Canadians. In many parts of the world, everyone is getting a fourth shot. And if you feel that that is what you want to do and you have the means to do it, There is certainly medical evidence to support that decision. Point Roberts continues to vaccinate Canadians, even giving the option of Moderna or Pfizer. To qualify for a second booster shot, you must be 50 years old and it must be at least four months since the first booster. To qualify in BC for a second booster, it must be at least six months since the last booster and you must be 70 years plus, 55 plus for Indigenous people. The recommendation in Canada and in British Columbia is to follow the advice of our provincial health office and the CDC and our own CDC and Canadian evidence in this regard. And that's what we're doing. The American approach to uh, dealing with COVID-19 is very different to our approach. Last week, Dr. Bonnie Henry said fourth COVID vaccine doses may not be needed for everyone in B.C. 
We do not yet know if all of us will need another dose of vaccine come the fall or if protection from the three doses will carry most of us through. Those comments followed news that BC has thrown out more than 650,000 doses of expired COVID-19 vaccines since the beginning of the province's immunization campaign. Meanwhile, half of British Columbians still haven't received their first booster shot. If you're eligible for a fourth shot, please consider doing that. You will be part of the solution. As for those who don't qualify in BC for a fourth shot, Point Roberts is expecting to receive more requests from Canadians in the weeks ahead. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Inflation is hitting BC's restaurant sector with one eatery in the interior warning the day of the $20 plate of wings is here to stay. Restaurants are seeing the same price increases you're seeing at the grocery store. They also have the added challenge of attracting and hiring servers and cooks and paying them enough so that they stay. All of that is forcing menu prices up. The only other choice is to reduce menus and hours to cut costs, and that's something restaurants say they're reluctant to do. Well, we've been open for just about a year now, and our bacon has doubled in cost alone. Um, we try to buy everything local to cut down on the shipping costs, but even then, all of our local dairy, including our milk and our butter, has gone up about 3 to 4% in the last couple months alone, um, all main ingredients for breakfast items. That translates to an expected increase of 25 to 50 cents on every item on the menu at this bakery, which the owners hope is enough to get them through the summer. Another call today to protect renters along Vancouver's Broadway corridor from evictions and likely rent increases expected to come with redevelopment along the new subway line. As Kristen Robinson reports, the Vancouver Tenants Union says some renters could potentially face devastating rent hikes. Justin Macalenda Pasquale lives steps away from the future Mount Pleasant subway station renting a studio for $1,200 a month on the Broadway corridor. Just rent, it's hard to find a studio for, for a decent price right now. It's so expensive in the city. And it could get worse. The Vancouver Tenants Union surveyed people living in purpose-built rental units within 200 metres of planned subway stations and found nearly 1,000 households at risk of redevelopment. Simply put, there is a tremendous uh, financial incentive to evict long-term tenants and replace them with new ones. Mazdaq Garib Navaz says the average landlord could charge up to 20% more if they're able to find some pretense to evict current renters. Their data shows huge rent gaps. The difference between the median market rent and the median rent Broadway corridor tenants pay could mean an increase of $758 a month for a studio rental, $821 more for a one-bedroom, and $1,300 for a two-bedroom apartment. I would probably have to move. It would not be feasible for me to live for an extra $800. Vancouver's mayor says amendments will protect renters displaced by the Broadway plan, which covers nearly 500 square city blocks and would allow towers up to 40 stories along the new subway. That person will have the choice of either being generously compensated for moving to a new home or be guaranteed the right to return to replacement buildings with rents at or below what they currently pay. But urban expert Andy Yan says delivering that guarantee is problematic. 
without having uh, the very clear aspects of accountability, transparency, and really fulfillment of these promises. I think that there is, I think, a profound concern that this is just going to really enter a level of mass evictions. The plan area is home to 81,000 people and 17% of the entire city's purpose-built rental stock. Nearly 60% of households are renters, according to the Tenants' Union, which fears mass redevelopment could escalate land prices so sharply even tenants currently paying market rate could be on the chopping block in a few years. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A man who allegedly groped two strangers in downtown Vancouver over the weekend has been arrested, thanks in part to the quick action of a witness. Police say the two assaults happened within minutes of each other Saturday afternoon. A 29-year-old woman was standing outside the Vancouver Art Gallery near Howe and Georgia when she was groped by a man she didn't know. Minutes later, a 24-year-old woman walking near Georgia and Thurlow was assaulted. Uh, in both of these cases, the victims did um, remarkably well under the circumstances, um, despite being um, quite likely uh, shocked and uh, taken aback by what had happened. They had the presence of mind to call 911. They gave us information about what had happened. Um, following the second sex assault, there was a witness who also got in touch with us. She was able to follow the suspect from a distance, which was invaluable to our officers who uh, entered the area and were able to track down uh, the suspect nearby. 23-year-old Tyrell DeLorme has been charged with two counts of sexual assault and has since been released on bail. The B.C. SPCA is now caring for 59 cats and kittens and one injured ewe found abandoned on a property in Cloverdale. When animal protection officers arrived at the home, they found the animals in various stages of neglect. The cats were suffering from respiratory infections, dehydration and emaciation and other medical conditions. According to the SPCA, the home was unsanitary, fouled with animal waste and piles of garbage. The cats range in age from a few days old to seven years old. They're now being cared for by the SPCA until they're well enough to be adopted. Well, the story of a young boy with autism who had only one person show up to his birthday party touched a lot of people. Why his dad felt compelled to tweet about it and how they rallied to give him a gift worth celebrating. That's next on the News Hour. The art of war, the children behind these masterpieces created in the bomb shelters of Ukraine, coming up. And the giant pandemic puzzle that kept this family occupied for months during the pandemic. That's later. Right now, though, a Vancouver father with a son who has autism says he's encouraged by the response to his heartbreaking Twitter post about his son's birthday party. Only one child from an entire kindergarten class showed up. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, the family looks at it as a learning experience that eventually had a happy ending. This picture says more than just a thousand words. The Vancouver dad, so frustrated, he tweeted about his son's sixth birthday party. His message struck a nerve. The number of responses about been there, done that, I, I think this is happening way more. And David Chen's son, Max, is on the autism spectrum. All his classmates were invited to his birthday. The RSVPs, underwhelming. Only one classmate came. Max was crushed. Two weeks earlier, there was another class party. 16 out of 19 students showed up. When I asked him how was the party at the end of the day, he was like, it was awesome. And you know, when you hear that, that that's, uh, you know, you feel it. 
Chen is clear he doesn't want to blame anyone, just start a dialogue. We had five out of the 16 parents communicate with us. That's a fantastic start. You know, and I told them, like, don't sweat it. You know, we learned from this. In the end, no one came. Her heart was broken for her son. There have been similar stories around the world. Neurodiverse kids want to be included in typical rites of passage like birthday parties, but they are often excluded or self-exclude. Researchers say the onus shouldn't fall solely on autistic kids to reach out to their peers. Do a lot more training with, you know, neurotypical um, children on how do we integrate them with the autistic community? How do they pick up a little bit more on their social cues? How can they build, you know, bridges to understand their communication, um, create a bit more empathy or tolerance? Max did get a celebration. His teacher held a special party in class. You get to hand out the loot bags he helped pack over the weekend. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Coming up, a devastating high-speed crash. They're flying through here, and that's happening. What we're learning about the collision that closed Granville Street for hours. Also ahead, the start of the inquiry into the death of a young B.C. woman shot by police and why a lawyer for her family says the process is already flawed. Clearing stages of a stall here in Vancouver, eastbound on Highway 1, just past 1st Avenue in the left lane. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. I have a stall in Vancouver. One person has died after a catastrophic high-speed crash early this morning, which forced the closure of a busy Vancouver street for hours. As Grace Key reports, two other people were hospitalized in the aftermath of the crash on Granville Street, which ultimately involved four vehicles. The aftermath of this violent impact is horrific. Four cars were involved, two people were rushed to hospital, and one man in a Toyota Corolla was killed. The driver is uh, a man in his 20s. He was trapped in the vehicle and he, and, he, and he did die at the scene. It is a miracle that nobody else was uh, more seriously hurt. It's a tragedy that the, the driver uh, did die. Um, but it's a miracle that nobody else was more seriously hurt. It happened just after 6 a.m. on Granville Street and 47th Avenue in Vancouver. Police say the dark-colored Toyota was heading north when it crossed into oncoming traffic, sideswiped a taxi, struck a Porsche head-on, and then went airborne over a truck, landing on top of a Hyundai Elantra before finally coming to a rest on the street. We know that speed uh, was a factor. Um, we don't know if there may have been something else going on, possibly a medical issue or something else. So that's what that's something that will form part of our investigation. The driver of the Corolla died at the scene. A man in his 20s driving the Porsche suffered leg injuries. Miraculously, a woman in the Elantra was treated and released from hospital. The taxi driver and passenger were not injured. Home security video shows the taxi and Porsche heading south. The red Hyundai appears and seconds later, smoke and debris is flying everywhere. Though it's still unclear what caused the collision, neighbors say accidents happen frequently along the stretch. It's like a regular thing now. It's okay, there's an accident on Gramble in this spot. 47th and Granville. I wish the city was to put up some kind of a light system or something. It's the light there that flashes. So at nighttime, I think around like 12 at night, it becomes just a drag race. So there's nobody stopping and this light 
it go, it's just green all the way through. The investigation is in its early stages. Police are asking for witnesses and anyone with dash cam footage to come forward. Grace Key, Global News. The summer road construction season is kicking off across the province with a reminder to drivers to slow down. The 12th annual Cone Zone campaign kicked off this morning in Surrey. It's a reminder to drivers to watch for construction signs and obey traffic flag people. The BC Highway Patrol on hand today to check for speeding and aggressive and distracted driving. In 2020, 23 roadside workers were injured badly enough that they had to miss work and 12 people have been killed over the last decade. In particular this year, because there's so much flood damage restoration happening, a lot of construction zones around the province, and really important to keep people aware that uh, they need to slow down, uh, pay attention. We get a lot of people who just uh, express that they just don't care, which is really distressing to us, because a, a moment's inattention can lead to a lifetime of, of hurt, New regulations now in effect require companies to build better protections or detours around road work and flaggers are only to be used as a last resort. A coroner's inquest is underway in New Brunswick into the 2020 shooting death of Chantal Moore during a police wellness check. Moore, a member of the Tlaoquiat First Nation, recently moved to Edmonston, New Brunswick from B.C. when the deadly altercation happened. Kylie Stanton reports. Nearly two years after Chantelle Moore's death, her friends and family are hoping to finally get some answers. You know, we're getting a little bit closer to the, to the, you know, to the end of this, this long saga. The 26-year-old BC-raised Indigenous woman was fatally shot by police during a wellness check on June 4, 2020 in Edmonston, New Brunswick. The officer was cleared of any wrongdoing following a report from Quebec's independent police watchdog. Moore's death and that of Rodney Levi a week later prompted calls from Indigenous leaders for an inquiry into systemic racism in the province. We need immediate answers. Instead, the government promised a coroner's inquest. Monday morning, a jury of three men and two women were chosen. They will have the opportunity to make recommendations aimed at preventing deaths under similar circumstances in the future, something the Canadian Mental Health Association is already working on. So PACT um, stands for Peer-Assisted Care Team. The civilian teams are designed to avert tragedies like that of Moore, part of a paradigm shift to reduce reliance on police, allowing them to fulfill their mandate while delivering community-driven mental health care. For many people, having someone come in, in any kind of uniform um, can be a response that creates apprehension, uh, can create fear, can be triggering. The lawyer for the Moore family says the Edmonston police force lacked the tools to de-escalate the situation without using deadly force, and he plans to file a lawsuit against the city and the officer involved on Tuesday. It will provide assistance to the family for healing, and it will allow uh, to have some answers in some and some protection going forward. The inquest heard from Moore's former boyfriend, Jonathan Burnett, and friend, Chelsea Ouellette. Moore's mother, Martha Martin, was the final witness of the day. She was visibly upset throughout her testimony, describing her daughter as very outgoing, someone who made friends wherever she went, and who had dreams of being an engineer. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Coming up, farmers facing a big challenge. BC crops are weeks behind schedule. How the delay could make it tougher to put food on the table.
And the racially motivated mass shooting in the U.S. and how America is handling its wider implications. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. BC farmers say it's more important than ever for consumers to buy local, even if they have to wait a while longer. As Krista Dow reports, our unusually chilly spring is just the latest challenge facing local farmers as they still struggle to recover from last year. About seven, eight feet. Yeah, they go really high up in there. Well below average and three weeks behind schedule. The berries here at Mandare Farms stunted. These will usually be blossomed right out. Kind of like cherry blossoms, right? The buds not yet blooming and the bees nowhere to be found. It's been rainy. It's been cold. It's been wet. And it's been, uh, it's been a tough season this year. The bees in this cold weather, who knows what's going to happen to them because they don't like to come out in this cold weather too. It's very stressful. The strawberries, blueberries and raspberries all taking a beating from the persistent rain and cold. A perfect recipe for a rough crop season ahead. It's a ubiquitous story. Everyone is having a really tough time getting their crops in the ground. Might miss a really important window for to, to get the, the crop pollinated. Every location is in the colder category for April and May has continued that way. We've struggled to get into the mid-teens uh, on the coast. It's another blow to BC farmers still reeling from last year plant pretty much just burned. Like uh, it all turned yellow. The heat dome burning Mandare's crops and historic flooding ravaging others. The soggy start also means he's fighting for market share. That's a huge concern of ours too because uh, at this time we would be already producing for the market. It's critical. I mean, they are competing in a global marketplace. Mandare is asking for more government supports and a more streamlined insurance program. The minister responding, saying programs are available. It's an insurance program. It's a suite of different programs that we encourage farmers to sign up for. Uh, And those will kick in if there's a weather-related event. In the interim, he's stressing the importance of buying local, asking British Columbians to help them weather the storm. Krista Dow, Global News. And we still wait for some relief, which I'm sure is coming right away. Here's Christy with a look at the forecast. (laughs) Too much well, pressure, we had a probably, touch right? Of relief, I guess, today. Yeah, yeah, that is high pressure, that's for sure. But, you know, Chris, yesterday was the ninth Sunday, was the ninth wettest May Day on record. And we've got another May Day coming up that could rival that. First, I want to show you some video coming out of the Abbotsford sort of Sumas Flats area. This is from Friday afternoon. A spectacular dust devil. No reports of damage from this one. It looks exactly like a tornado. What's different is that a tornado has spawned from the bottom of a major thunderstorm, whereas this 
this is created uh, because of a sort of wind shear or difference in wind direction down below, enough of a lift to create that sort of tornadic activity. Great shot of it. Thanks so much to Christian DeVries for sharing that with us. Again, that's Friday afternoon coming out of the Sumas Flats area. Incredible dust devil. Now, when we look at conditions, it has been incredibly wet this May so far. Ninth wettest yesterday on record. And we have another one that could be uh, rival that potentially. But I wanted to look at sort of the 5th through 15th. We're halfway done May. And we've already come close to the average amount of rainfall that we would typically see all month long. In addition to that, we've had 12 days of rain out of the 15. Typically for the entire month of April, we would get 13. So it has been incredibly dreary and we've got another one on deck for Wednesday. Tomorrow, not so bad. We'll see a little bit more cloud cover. We have a slight chance of showers more so. It's into Wednesday that we're going to see a major system move on shore. Not only are we going to see heavy rain, but strong winds and cooler conditions as well. So there's your third Tuesday, everyone. Enjoy the breaks of blue sky because they'll be short-lived Wednesday. We're right back into stormy conditions and that's case right across southern BC. We are going to come out of it though. It looks like we've got some sunshine in store for us on deck after Wednesday. It's just sort of one day that we have to contend with. Here's a look at tonight's central windows weather window. It's a sol- the lunar eclipse coming out of a Soyuz. Thank you to Greg Reilly for that one. That was from last night. Chris, back to you. Beautiful. Thanks very much, Christy. All right, Squire is here. Uh, who doesn't love playoff hockey, Squire? Well, this will be good. Because we haven't seen this since 1991, a Battle of Alberta, which will start Wednesday in Calgary. Now, one key guy in this series has played for both teams in his career. That guy is goaltender Mike Smith of Edmonton. I think to us, we're not getting caught up in the hype and just another series for us. Well, that sounds very nice, but you actually can believe the hype because this will not be just another series of the Oilers and Flames. One of the great rivalries in sports, no doubt. Also tonight, the giant pandemic puzzle that kept this couple busy for months. Lots of babies born to Global BC staff over the last few days. We'll talk about that a little later, but it's labor pains of a different kind in sports tonight, Squire. That segue was beautiful. (laughs) You know, for a league that had to cancel a season because of COVID and shorten another season, I'm pretty sure starting this one with a strike is not a good idea, but that's where the CFL is right now. Instead of training camps, they have players waiting around their hotel rooms until this thing is settled. And right now, there are no new talks scheduled. The first preseason game next Monday between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg might not happen. Um, Kamloops is where the Lions players are waiting to start their training camp. All that's happening is a lot of wind, which actually replicates... What's been going on with the two sides in this dispute? Lots of wind and nothing happening. Well, because of what happened this weekend, the Maple Leaf will be represented right up until the final four of the NHL playoffs. It just won't be represented by the Maple Leafs. Either Edmonton or Calgary will be the Canadian team left in round three, and that's because they will play each other in a 21st century Battle of Alberta starting on Wednesday. Now, for those people born... Before cell phones, 
Oiler and Flames playoff series happened a bit more frequently at one time, and they were always uncivil wars. And just like this year's battle, the ones in the 80s featured the best player in the game playing for Edmonton. Played all night. Wayne Gretzky in on goal. Just scores in overtime. Gretzky gets the winner. Edmonton win 5-4. For Canadian hockey fans, and especially those of us here in Western Canada, it doesn't get any better than another vintage Battle of Alberta. It's been 31 years since the Oilers and Flames met in the playoffs, and while the stars of yesterday have faded into retirement, the stars of today are primed to shine brightly in the sixth playoff meeting between Calgary and Edmonton. He shoots! He scores! Yeah, it's huge. Obviously, the Battle of Alberta's another level in the regular season and now um, for us and as players and the fans and the cities to have that that rivalry exist in the playoffs is something special and I think we're all gonna try and uh, take it in and uh, play our best and and live in the moment. Scores! And Theron Fleury and the Flames are in seventh heaven. In their previous five postseason battles the Flames only managed to win one playoff series but they'll gladly tell you that's ancient history because they finished atop the Pacific Division and split the four games that they played against each other in the regular season. And they also have the firepower to match Edmonton when it comes to putting the puck in the net. For me, uh, as I said, I think it's two really good hockey teams that, um, you know, obviously they finished at the top of our division for a reason. Um, and, uh, you know, we're excited for the challenge that they represent. They play connected, and we're going to have to uh, to bring our A game to, to beat them uh, for in four games. So, uh, not in four games, but for four games. So, um, I like the way we finished the series against LA. I thought we played one of our best games of the series um, in Game Seven, and hopefully, we can carry that momentum into Game One in the uh, second round. Game One of the Battle of Alberta goes Wednesday night in Calgary. Jay Janower, Global Sports. As expected, the Golden Knights have given head coach Pete DeBoer the golden handshake. He was fired today after missing the playoffs. A lot of that had to do with injuries to key players throughout the season for Vegas. But maybe this move was to make an offer to Barry Trotz, who was fired by the Islanders last week. And today the Isles hired Trotz's longtime assistant, Lane Lambert, as their new head coach. You might remember he was the coach of the Prince George Cougars from uh, 2003 to 2005. Here's an old NHL coach, Craig Ramsey, now running the Slovakian bench at the World Hockey Championships, taking on Canada. Logan Thompson, like a soccer goalie, no stick, diving across with arms out to make the save for Canada. And here's uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, kind of diving as well to score that goal to give Canada a 3-1 lead. Cole Sillinger gets a nice one here as Canada goes up 4-1. Canada's yet to lose at the World Championships so far. One more goal to show you this by uh, Morgan Geeky, who has the breakaway. 5-1 the final. Canada plays Kazakhstan on Thursday. Last night, the Vancouver Giants season came to an end as the Kamloops Blazers moved on to round three in the Western Hockey League playoffs. It was a good series. This is game six. Fraser Minton, nice goal. Going backhand, shorthanded. Luke Toporowski would score as well in this highlight package as the Blazers will play either Portland or Seattle in the next round. Winterhawks are up 3-2 in that series with game six tonight. This season, but he has been pitching Yusei like Kikuchi used to play for the Mariners. Now he plays for the Blue Jays. He's going to face his old team and strike out Julio Rodriguez to end the first inning. 
Toronto has been scuffling of late, big time, but this is a good start. Bo Bichette puts a hanging curveball right by that sign out there. That made it one nothing. And then Matt Chapman, who has been struggling at the plate, struggle no more. Deep into center field, almost of the camera guy. Give him the jacket. Toronto leads 3-1. They are in the bottom of the seventh. There you go. Love that ritual. All right, thanks, Squire. Up next, the BC family takes their pandemic hobby to the next level. Plus, Global BC's baby boom and a shout-out from the Premier. Real quick, Andrew joins us with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. And Thanks, Chris. More reaction to BC Liberal leader Kevin Falcon's calls on the rebuilding of the Royal BC Museum to be scrapped. Plus, some residents in Cranbrook have been displaced from their homes after fire damaged an apartment complex. Fire crews remain on scene this hour after flames broke out at the corner of 1st Street South and 17th Avenue this afternoon. We are told there is significant damage to the building, including smoke and heavy water damage. No word yet when residents will be allowed to return. More on how the community is stepping in to help coming up tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. All right. Thanks, Anne. Well, many people turned to hobbies over the past two years, either picking up an old one or starting a new one as those pandemic lockdowns kept us apart. One Kamloops family chose puzzles, but when the 1,000 and 2,000 piece puzzles weren't enough, they went for something a lot bigger. We get more from CFJC News. Thought the water was actually quite easy to build. Savannah McCurdy is a bit of a competitive puzzler. It's always been a thing I've done since I was a kid. Um, I have two older brothers and a younger brother, and my two older brothers, we, uh, we used to puzzle race when we were kids. In May 2020, a few months into COVID lockdowns, she'd already put together all of the puzzles she owned. Her husband, Alan, thought he'd buy her a challenge, a 2,000-piece puzzle. It lasted a weekend. Uh, she, she said it was done. I mean, three days, three days it was done. So. He found a puzzle online with 18,000 pieces. I ordered it up thinking, oh yeah, this this be good. Let's see her build this in a weekend, right? And then, like, the butterfly was quite easy, but this flower underneath the butterfly, there's so many different colors in there. The mindful activity helped her take her mind off of the pandemic and the fact she wasn't able to finish her schooling as an educational assistant. When I get super stressed out and stuff, it's like, this is what I need to do, just leave me alone, let me build my puzzle. After powering through the last section of the puzzle, they finally finished in October 2021. But the last section, uh, we sorted it, and I'm like, we got to get this done before Christmas. We have to have a kitchen table for Christmas. because Five tubs of crafting glue later, the puzzle is ready to hang forever on their living room wall. Building a simple thousand-piece puzzle is satisfying. But when you get one this big completed, you're just like... Holy man, how did we do this? <laughs> Building this, it all looks as like one gray color. So it's really hard to distinguish. And as for what's next for the puzzling pair? Well, can't say I haven't looked at a 42,000 piece <laughs> one. So. <laughs> Stephanie Swenzer, CFJC News. They need like a, a more wall space. They exactly. We need a new house need for that. a bigger that. house first. Well done. Yeah, that is really incredible. Also, 
What's incredible, we're celebrating a baby boom right now with four new little ones being added to the Global BC family. So here's how it started on May 11th. Our engineer Grace Guo and her husband James welcomed baby Lucas. And then on Friday, Rodrigo Iwasaki from our IT department and his wife Fiona welcomed twin boys. No names for these little guys yet. Uh, rounding out our new arrivals, of course, anchor and reporter Jordan Armstrong and his wife Elise welcomed their son Reed into the world on Saturday, May 14th. And Reed's grandfather is Vancouver Sun columnist Vaughn Palmer, who, of course, reports on B.C. politics. So Reed got a proper introduction at the B.C. legislature before question period this afternoon. There is a new grandchild in the precinct. Uh, the Venerable Vaughn Palmer has become a grandfather uh, this past weekend. And I, I think, Honorable Speaker, Venerable is now going to be put on the board of words I'm not allowed to say. But um, uh, born this, uh, this past weekend, seven pounds, eight ounces to uh, mom uh, Eliza, Elise, I'm sorry, and Jordan Armstrong uh, of uh, global television fame. So nice to get a mention. Wow, little Reed, Reed, uh, Luke, and the, could be Squire and Chris? I mean, just throwing it out there, Rodrigo. Excellent, <laughs> Excellent suggestion. Yeah. One's going to be a lot taller than the Not other. So sure. Yeah, that's true. I don't, think, I don't think you want to, like, saddle another child with my name. No, wow. Well, we're so you are cool. one of a kind, well, I like Squire. Squire. <laughs> well, yes, but when you're six or seven years old and all the other kids think your name is funny, it's not. You, you wish you were Chris back then. Congratulations, though, to all of our new parents. No doubt. Okay, quick word on weather before we go, Christy. So not a bad day tomorrow. Slight chance of showers along the mountains out through the valley, but it's Wednesday that you need to be prepared for with your rain jacket and parka. Hmm. Look at that weekend, too. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for watching. Good night, all.